I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. I'm Ross Carlin. We've got a big week ahead for you because it's our favourite week on the show. It's Blues Crusaders <laughs> week. And with no further ado, let's bring in our Blues representative or former Blues captain, James Parsons. Thanks so much for joining us again down in Christchurch. Our man from the Crusaders, Bryn Hall. Bryn, you love Blues Crusaders. I thought it was going to be Dan Carter. (laughs) (laughs) You'll do, you'll do. Sadly not, Chip. Sadly not. But um, no, look, it's it's an exciting week. I think as players, you know, these are the games that you want to be a part of. And um, I think for the fact that the Blues have been travelling really, really well. And um, look, we've had two results that have been uh, really close and um, has put us in a position now where it's a top-of-the-table clash against a really high um, and high-flying team at the moment. And the fact that we didn't get to play early in there, the fact that um, both teams have been able to win games consecutively, um, it's kind of added to the fact that it's on Easter weekend and um, it's going to be a hell of a night and um, one that we're really looking forward to. For five years, we've said the Crusaders are the team to beat, the Crusaders are the team to beat. Let's go into our quick fire round, Jipper. Are the Blues now the team to beat? No. No. They're not. Are they the team to beat, Bryn? Oh, they're, well, they're, no, they're no, top quick of the table, fire, aren't they? Quick, so, quick fire. This is a yes or no situation. Quick so, fire, mate. For us as an opponent, for us as an opponent. Yes yeah, or no? Yes or no? Yes. I'm telling yes. you that, they are the team to, well, the team to beat this weekend, because if you don't, you lose the points. So. I'm not going to labour any pressure on my Blues boys. It's all, <laughs> the Crusaders are still the team to beat. <laughs> OK, into the next question. Player of the round for you, and I'm presuming I know which team it comes from. Yeah, Bowden Barrett for me. Exceptional. Yeah. I mean, his, his class of that game and, and his impact, oh, special. OK, Brenna, throwing the out of the blue, player of the round at you. Uh, it was actually Bowden Barrett as well. Yeah, two classy touches to really ice that game. So, yeah, I'll go with Bowden. Yeah, he was absolutely phenomenal. Yes or no? Do you agree with Marshy? A constant line-out drive's boring. No, hookers are finally getting some tries. <laughs> Keep it going. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it does give Brenner a chance to slap some more forwards on the butt as they go forward. Do you like line-out drives? Oh, look, mate, as long as you score tries. And I think the Highlanders, look, they'll take anything at this moment around winning. And so uh, they went to their set-piece and they kept going to it and they kept going to it and they got the rewards out of it. So, yeah, how good. OK, well, why don't we jump into the next one straight off the back of that then because it's incredibly related. You're Artie Savia. It's the 79th minute. You have a kickable shot at goal. <laughs> Or you could take a line-out drive against the Crusaders who haven't conceded a line-out drive try in who knows how long. Which option do you take? 
Oh, it's, it's either or all, really, depending on how you feel it as, as, a, as a captain. So I think, you know, look, Adi felt felt in that moment that um, they had the ascendancy and they were on top of it instead of going to Golden Point, which, um, you know, it's always a 50-50, never knowing how that's going to go. He thought right then and there it was a great time to win to win the game. And so, you know, it takes a ball. It's a, it's a real ballsy call, um, considering, you know, the fact you could have gone to Golden Point and probably most people would have thought that. But look, he wanted to do it. He backed himself. And, you know, unfortunately, Scott Barrett, who made an awesome, um, awesome read in that and been able to get up the ball and win us the game. But look, um, no, you, to be honest, I don't see it as, as a wrong choice. You can say it now and saying that, like, he should have taken the three. But look, imagine him scoring the, the try or he misses that kick. You never know. Jordy might miss that kick. And then you're in a different conversation. So, nah, I reckon it was a good call by Artie. I can understand um, why. Because they needed to win, well, they wanted to win the game. They had the territorial advantage um, going into the corner that, you know, potentially we don't know it was going to be a line out drive. It could have been some special move. Um, they, they'll only know that. And I don't think it's just on Artie. They clearly had a chat about it um, and went to the corner. Personally, if I was the captain, I think we can see uh, with my history, I probably would have taken the three. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean um, that would be right either because we'll, we'll never know. I, th- I think you allude to a good point there in that, OK, maybe the line-out drive isn't on, but maybe getting quick ball off the back with Geordie Barrett taking a crash ball the way they used to yeah. use Nani Lamape could have been on. Or, or Jules. I think Jules had probably one of his best games and, and he was yeah. really destructive with the ball in hand, or Artie himself. Um, yeah, yeah, look, they would have built to something, but it wasn't to be. Um, and, and, you know, you've got to commend Scott Barrett, man. That's a ballsy play mm. to get up in the air that close to the line. Like, that is an all-or-nothing play because if he doesn't get his hand on the ball... Right, and and Artie wins that clean. They're down and going, and they don't have that. You know, it's hard to get, you know, go up and then get down and stop a mauls. And as we've seen, there's been a number of tries. Um, so yeah, just one. Bryn Hall was letting the rest know what was going on in behind that drive. There was a lot of shouting. I could barely hear the commentators over the yelling from Bryn Hall and behind. <laughs> Bryn, you stopped a couple of tries, I reckon. That running line, you got in between. Um, you were on the edge defending, and yep. um, I think it might have been Wes Houston outside you, and you just got in between that passing line. And um, I th- Jamie Booth threw it out. Was that the one? Yeah. Yeah, and then there was another one. Yeah, you no, did, it was. You, you did an outstanding chop tackle on someone that got on your outside, <laughs> and I thought, oh, Struth, he's in trouble here. And the big fella turned up and got him to death. Oh, I'll tell you what, the, um, the first one was quite funny with Boothie because. You know, we've known, known each other for a long time. And I actually remember running past that um, when he went through over, around Tarns. I was actually screaming the ball, saying, Boothie now, Boothie now. Yeah. And so I actually don't know if he actually heard me and the fact that he knew that it was me chucking that ball because he did have a look at me, but I think the fact that I was there screaming, it might have helped in that. And then um, I'll tell you what, I've got a new respect for um, our centres. And, you know, yeah. Jeff, I said last week, I've got, I've got a massive respect around hookers a couple of weeks ago and throwing that line-out ball. But I tell you what, when you're out on that edge and you've got an outside back that can do, put footwork on, um, it's a lonely place out there. So who was it? Um, who was, was it that, that you um, tackled? Who was it that you chopped tackled? Um, oh yeah, no, yeah, Warby. yeah. And he's had he was having a great game. Yeah, oh. it was. So no, I helped help my um, Ethan Blackhead was inside me, and then um, Lester kind of stayed high and kind of gave me the outside, and so um, he was lucky enough to be able to just get on my get on my tracks and just run as fast as I can and chop him down. <laughs> And you helped Brendan Pickerel with that decision. What were you telling him to do at the end there? 
Oh, to tell you the truth, Ross, it wasn't just me. I'd give you the tip. There's yeah. a lot of Hurricanes boys that were screaming. There's a lot of Crusader boys that were steaming. The water boy, uh, our, our video video person was in the background screaming as well. So, um, But no, it was just trying to, you know, I think the rest sometimes would like, you know, they need to know the rules and we were just kind of helping them out with what we saw <laughs> oh, in mate, front of they us. They know the rules, mate. They know the rules. <laughs> the fact that, well, again, that's mm. it. We were just trying to help them out a little bit and make oh, it easier. So I hope they watch this podcast, well, especially coming in Friday. Crusaders, you know, they're not sure if they know the rules. <laughs> well, I mean, that's oh, they, probably they, not they, as they bad the rules, as stating it on national television immediately just... after the game, is it? Like, that Artie's in a very similar position where he basically stated that he doesn't think they know the rules or they don't know what's going on. Uh, what did you make of him demanding better from the officials? Oh, look, geez, I've been where Artie is. It's frustrating when you win so many tight games on the back and... Um, I think it was a form of frustration rather than um, anything else. And, and to be fair, um, it probably just sat under the line um, before going across it too far. Um, and I think he pulled himself back. But that was, you know, it, it is always hard when you get a camera chucked in your face and you've just, like, he's put so much in, you know, he's just lost to the Chiefs the week before. He's now just lost to the Crusaders. Um, three losses on the bounce, it, it, it clearly um, had an impact. Mm. Um, but yeah, I d look, I don't think anything more needs to be made about it, but I, I'm sure he's aware um, that it was a fine line. Very frustrated. Were the, were the Hurricanes pretty frustrated? Could you feel it there on the ground? Oh, it's just a big moment in a game. You know, both teams that, you know, have got down to the last, well, the last second, it's the last line out of the game and, and everything's on, on the line. So, look, you it cares you so much for you talk around, um, you know, the Hurricanes are fortunate, you know, if they're on the trot and um, all it takes for them to be able to get over that line and they win that game. And then for us on the other side, um, we've got to be able to hold our emotions. You know, Scooter makes a really good call, but, you know, on the back of that, if he doesn't get up there, we've got to be able to do a line out more and then we've got to defend for how many phases, whatever it takes to be able to, to get the results. So I just think you had two teams that were just desperate, desperate to get the win. And to be honest, it came down to one massive play with um, Scott Barrett making a a huge play. Jip, you know how much, like you talked about, how hard it is to be able to get up and win that ball. But considering where you are on the field in that moment, um, was a massive play from our skipper and was a, was a big telling point in, in when I scored in that game in the end. And I think probably the frustration, and, and you could see the dejection on the Hurricanes team's bodies, comes back to the original question. And I'm not being facetious here, Bryn, but the Crusaders are the team to beat. Mm. Every New Zealand team wants them and wants to go after them. And so when you come that close, to then just fall short is, you know, it's almost, it's almost worse. You know, it's like in golf when one a, a putt just slips out, you'd almost miss it, rather miss it by miles than it just slipping out because you feel mm. like you've been robbed. Uh, so, so when you're on the golf course and you're about to, putt, you <laughs> I know, still think about the Crusaders. <laughs> <laughs> you know, most of the time you, you're you're reading it and you're sitting back and you're going, is it going to go? Is it actually going to go left? Is it actually going to go left? Is it actually going to go left? And you question yourself so much that you get the line slightly wrong. And if you'd just gone with your initial instinct, it probably would have gone straight down the middle and into the hole. Yeah, well, I don't know. Bryn could probably allude to that because he's playing on a one. <laughs> How does that go, mate? Oh, I'm not, mate. I'm definitely not. I'm just, uh, to be honest, I don't putt very. I don't putt very well. So when they go, on, I'm just thankful that it's not a three putt. So, nah, I'm um, nah, definitely not. What I'm trying to get to here is if you're Artie Savier and you are thinking about what to do here, should you be making the call or hesitating and talking to your coach on the sideline before you make the call? Oh, look, so you've got to back yourself. Yeah. No, nah, you make the call. He's the yeah. captain for a reason. 
Um, his gut was right. He knows his team. He knows where they're at. Yeah. Um, and as, as I say, we don't know because of a great play from Scooter. Um, we'll, we'll never know, but he has to back his instincts, 100%. And that's why yeah. I don't think I... it's that drastic. Like, there's a lot of reasons why it's a good call as well because yeah. take the three, you know, then you're deciding are they kicking off. And we've seen in Golden Point it's quite, um, you know, key to win that toss of who's kicking off, who's receiving, because most of the time we've seen it go the one way. So, you know, he, he was going for the win and an all-in play and... Um, I, I think yeah, just, yeah. good to him. I just want to touch on that, Ross, because um, if you look at the probably last year, we actually went in the same position where we actually went to Golden Point and then we were able to win in the Golden Point. And so I think this time this year, um, just being, being at the ground and feeling um, feeling that game, um, the crowd was right behind them. You should have seen when they were, when they lined up to be able to go for the... Um, for the try, the whole kind of stadium just grew and lifted, and so like you could see on their faces as well that it was the right call because you know they had that kind of um, enthusiasm and emotion from the crowd, and so again it just came back to one big play, and you know if we look about it now, hindsight's a great thing, but you know if they score that try, it's a great call, and everybody's like, Artie, what a what a brave call that was, you know what I mean? So um, you know we beat them at Golden Point last year, and then you might have thought that could be a decision making thing, but personally I just think it was a real good feel thing, and I think they had the momentum in that game, and look. <laughs> Um, it's just a big play from from Scooter in the end. And let's not forget, he did a quick tap and scored a try. Like his instincts are pretty yeah. good mm. as a captain. Like yeah. he very <laughs> rarely falls short. Um, hence the reason he got the All Black captaincy as well. So um, I certainly don't think it's as um, bigger um, mistake as it's probably been made out to be after after the fact. Without that moment of doubt, where you go and talk to the coaches about it. Do you actually execute this better if you just oh, doing it? Oh, 100%. They'll review it. They'll review it. They'll look at it, see. Um, what, they'll talk about what they were thinking, as in probably the leaders out there. Um, you know, that's, that's how you get better. That's a high-performance environment. Mm. They certainly won't um, go, oh, yeah, it was a good call, and let's just move forward. They'll, they'll like any team, you, you, you go bone deep. Uh, you scrape every... Mm. Um, bit of it apart so that you can perform better the next week. I can't hear that bone deep thing without imagining it coming out of Steve Hansen's mouth. <laughs> You're going to go bone deep. Bone deep. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Here yeah. we go. Um, so three losses on the bounce for the Canes. They've got a game against MP, um, midweek game against Moana Pacifica, um, which we're recording this podcast before, so we can't really talk about it even though we're to air on the same night. Um, and then a few days later, they're up against the Highlanders. So you're three on the bounce, you've got two games in a couple of days. What do they need to turn around considering <clears throat> that context? Uh, look, I think um, firstly, because of you know, the, the hype and the reaction to the Crusaders-Canes game, it's actually great that they've got a game on Tuesday night because they can just rip strip straight back into it and sort of take it um, out on playing footy. Uh, the one area I think they probably would want to improve is um, they, you know, two tries, 12 entries into the 22. They, they definitely had their opportunities to put more points on uh, the Crusaders. But to be fair, the Crusaders have done this all year, holding teams out when they've come in. But, um, you know, two out of 12, I think it's, um, what is it, 17% in that, what you know, red zone. They'd probably want to lift that up if they're having that many entries. You know, use the Crusaders. They went in 10 times. Um, for four tries, that's more up at that 40%. Blues were at 30, 33%. I think the Highlanders at 66%. So, you know, it is a, a little bit more. They'd be wanting a little bit more bang for their buck. 
Mm, uh, but you know that statistic from the last line out obviously reads true. You know when you, you the people are criticising what happened at the yeah, end. Yeah, a lot of that it, statistic plays into it. No, well, but a lot of it's not coming from set piece. A lot of the time they're making great breaks from deep mm. and then getting into the twenty-two true. and not just finishing. It's not really about going to set pieces for them. They they actually are really clinical from fifty to the twenty-two and making great dents or getting on the outside. And then it's right when they're in that twenty-two, they've got to be able to get across that white line to make it worth it because um, they, they played some great rugby to get in there. Um, yeah. But we know the Crusaders are pretty ruthless in their defence. Yeah. yeah, I think what they also did really well as well against us, um, they really um, exposed our backfield. I mean, two fifty twenty twos that were massive in, in the game. You know, you look at Jordy, um, sorry, Jordan Severe's one off our counter-attack. You know, I thought probably from our review we actually kicked pretty poorly. Um, it's one area that we think we probably didn't get a lot of payout, whether it be with our contestable game um, we're actually kicking into space where um, we gave opportunities for Geordie Barrett and Julian Sevilla to actually um, kick in for 50-22. So um, I think that's another another an improvement that, and something they can draw on moving forward because I think the momentum you can gain from 50-22 and especially putting your team back um, in a really good attacking space is really good because I think, um, what you said, Joe, their set piece attack off their line-out malls, whether it be um, a bunch of play or straight to nine and getting into those kind of channels of the 13 and, and winger, um, they're really good around that. Mm. So um, I think for us moving forward, um, we obviously want to sort out our backfield, but for on the weekend, I think the ability that they were able to uh, build pressure through the kicking game, which they probably didn't do against us last time, is something they can move on for the next fortnight going in against Moana and the Highlanders. And I actually think it's a big, it's a big, it's a big two games for the Hurricanes moving forward, especially for the um, with the playoffs not too far away and touring to Australia. Um, you know, you can get a bit more confidence. You know, on that Tuesday, they'll know. Um, you know, obviously, Moana Pacific not not too long ago got that one against them, so that'll be added motivation for that group. And you know, probably a lot of guys will get another opportunity um, to be able to play that um, to stake a claim for them the back end of that um, season with the Highlanders and at the end of the week, and then heading over to Australia as well. So there's a lot to play for for the Highland, for the Hurricanes. I think it's a really a crucial next two games for them and the big part of their season wanting to make the playoffs. Brenna. Just looking forward to this week, and I know you won't be able to give too much away. Um, you mentioned your kicking game. I was surprised. I got a note here just around how little you guys kicked, because you normally, you know, you're so big on that contestable game. Now, having played in a number of these Christchurch derbies, um, it's normally an area you love to go to um, with the, the contestables or the aerial game uh, against the Blues. Mm. Are we going to see that this Friday? <laughs> Oh, I won't tell you too much, Jeff, but I think it was just, um, I can probably say more so the learnings we got from on the weekend, because you are right, it's a massive part of our of our DNA, and I think probably um, the learning was like, if we're not getting our, our kicks back or uh, being able to build pressure with getting them back with a contestable and, and winning them in the air, or, or getting their ball back, then what's another way that we can try and do that? So, um, you know, for the fact that we probably didn't get what we wanted out of that contestables, we felt that holding on to the ball and building pressure that way um, was a much better way, and so I think in that first half, you know, like you said, our percentage in that in our knockout zone in that kind of 22, uh, 22 area, we scored three tries. You know, mm. for the fact that we held onto the ball and build pressure, and wanted the Hurricanes to be able to um, make more tackles, and so then take their take their legs out, and instead of giving them the ball back off our contested balls with our long poor kicks, and giving them um, the ability to be able to attack and then build long phase counts, uh, we decided to change that a little bit. So. Um, probably moving forward it's probably going to be adapting uh, depending on how the game's going you're like we'll have a plan around what that's going to look like but um, I think for us and probably the learnings that we found on the weekend we actually adapted really well with we didn't get what we wanted out of our game plan around our kicking game just due to the fact of execution 
uh, but we were able to find a way and being able to hold on the ball a little bit longer than we usually do. I'm looking forward to the kick battle for that game because I think it's an area the Blues have been really strong in this season, um, more so than previous yeah. seasons. So, you know, if it's not attacking kicks, they're really good in those contestable kicks as well, or just coming off 10 up and unders um, in the midfield. So, she should be a mm. good derby. Mm, mm. Before we leave this game, let's talk a little bit about Ruben Love and Celestia Ayasi. We've seen moments of brilliance from both of them, we've seen effectiveness from both of them. We don't see regular game time from both of these guys. Should they be starting regularly? And if they're not, why aren't they? Um, well, I suppose Celestia, it's a hard one. Um, you know, we know the talent he has and how good he is when he does play. Um, but, you know, you'd have to say Wes and Julian are um, playing fairly well at the moment. Um, and then, you know, f from Ruben's point of view, I thought he was, he was really good when he, when he stepped up into the, probably the 10 jersey um, against the Chiefs. You know, he really ignited their attack. But it's... It's one thing doing that when it's against tired bodies. Um, so, you know, I think Jason Holland knows his team and sees them more regularly to know who he wants to put out there. Um, so I, I think their opportunities will come, but I think it's more around the game plan and structures. And sometimes, as Bryn will know in the Crusaders, and, you know, it's the same across all the teams, certain players are selected for certain roles in certain games because they, their skill set best fits the game plan. Mm. Does it surprise you at all, Bryn? Um, not not really. I think, you know, just playing the Hurricanes, to be honest, I think the way that Jules is playing, look, I think Jules is playing, you know, before the, before he left and, you know, you look at his all-black form, it's pretty similar to, like, when he when he was playing there. He looks trim, he looks fit, his second efforts and being able to work off the ball has been has been great. And so, and Wes Goosen compliments that as well. So, I think what I like, what I enjoy seeing about Jules and, and Wes Goosen is they're always involved in the game. You know, if the ball isn't getting to them, um, they're working in, in ways that they can um, get into the game. You know, I use Julian Severs example of that 50-22 having kicking games and look we know how um, destructive it is with ball on hand and we know it's evident on the weekend with the amount of um, times you've got over the advantage line but I think you know when so Celestia's been given an opportunity I think it's consistently seeing those those high impacts and those kind of high um, moments in games where you're working off the ball and getting those second and third touches those second and third efforts because look, I think that's what Wes and Julian do so well and I think that's probably the difference of reason why I'm um, at the moment those two uh, being picked just due to the fact of that. Geordie Barrett watch, week two, second five. Still looking phenomenal. Does he blow What about his rugby? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I think he's, quite often he's got one of the worst haircuts on the paddock, so let's not say that he's looking too sharp like that, okay, but okay. he loves a, a terrible lid. But looking really, really good. Two weeks in, sticking with him there. Last week you were like, okay, no, I still like him at fullback. This week are you like, okay? Back? Oh, look, I, li I still like him at fullback, don't get me wrong. Um, but for the Canes mix, because I thought Morby was awesome um, at the back, and, and I think it opens up opportunities for Love as well. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't split them in my, in my form 15. I've got Havili and Barrett both in the 12. Like the, you know, Davey was were pretty um, influential as well on the other side, so an expected ding-dong battle. Um, I, I, I couldn't split them in the end, but he certainly, um, he's got the courage of a 12, man. He does not, when he commits to a line, he commits. Um, and he's got the, the finesse of, of a kicking game as well. So he is a great fit. He, he is definitely a great fit. Brent? Um, no, look, I think, you know, Geordie Barrett at 12 for the Hurricanes, it's really important for them to have him there. I think, look, We've talked about his triple threat game, whether it be run, pass, kick defensively. He's tough in that kind of contact area that you need as a 12. Um, he's, he's great in that area. So, 
Um, and it takes a lot of pressure off the likes of Jackson Gard and Basham. And if you have Morby again at fullback or that kind of inexperienced back as a 15, um, you know, he's massive for that group and what he can do. So, and the fact that he can kick goals. So, Bruno, um, do you think, yep. do you think, um, you mentioned, I might have been offline or <laughs> on the show, but you mentioned about 12s actually being more of the, I suppose, the starter for plays. That they, they almost get the ball yep. to either go out the back or, you know, play tip passes or, or run hard lines. I think because mm. we've seen a trend in that, he is a really good fit in that sense as well because of that skill set, yeah. mm. his ability to sort of play as a first receiver and, and backing up your point about taking the pressure off those younger guys in the 10 jersey and or 15. Mm. So uh, I think that's probably why he's transitioned there as well because the more times yeah. he can have the ball, the better it is for the Canes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think that as well, Chip, like, like you said, um, if you watch, you know, all the rugby, whether it be in Australia, they look at the Brumbies on the weekend, they run a very similar shape of line-out malls, and they're probably the best exponents at the moment of actually, like, percentages of being able to score off that kind of shape because pretty much every team is running that uh, that shape at the moment. You have, you've got, obviously, the 12 really, really wide, and so people would probably think that number 12 area is just a brand bam kind of mm. getting over that contact and being real physical in that. You can have that when you have that um, that strike, but I think it's the ability to be able to, like I said to that example of Davey, when he scored that try, when Nuggy um, against the Highlanders better, he shot out, he had the ability to be able to that, look up at that space and have that subtle touch that you need as a 12, I think. And so, mm. you know, Geordie can do that. He can do subtle touches. He can do bridge balls that we've seen him do for the Hurricanes in years, for years gone by. And so, um, you know, he's, he's a great exponent of being able to a person that can do that, especially with the skill set that he has and the fact that in, in contact as well, when you're needed as a 12, he can do that in, in spades, definitely. The Brumbies are really good at putting kicks in behind two off those malls in the 22. They've got a lot yeah. of tries out of um, doing yeah. that. So I'm looking forward to the trans-tasm <laughs> stuff and, and little yeah. intricacies like that. And just on that, Jim, the reason why the Brumbies are so good at it is because um, their line-out more is so yeah. dominant. Yeah. And so whenever you've got a, a going-forward line-out drive, um, all of it, you know, you look at your backfield cover, whether it be a nine, or for us, you know, we have a little bit different, we might have it back on the blind side. If you have that rolling more, you've got to stick that guy close to you, the guy in the boot as well. If you have a little bit of animation in and around that ruck, taking that blind side, you've got all that kick space in behind because the fullback is covering for, like, that long kick that Bowden Barrett did on the weekend for... Um, a big robo those kind of kicks there so there's a lot of backfield space and look the the brumbies and the australian teams actually in general are seeing that space a lot a lot during their games and on on the weekend hmm. uh, well let's bring it back to marshy then shall we off the back of that you know we, we mentioned it earlier he doesn't like the rolling wall tactics he's mostly talking about the line out drives i think yeah. in, in the majority of cases not necessarily what you're talking about um but he says a lack of creativity a lack of entertainment he just thinks there's too much of it. We've seen doubles to both Highlanders hookers this week. We saw Kurt Eklund get three the week before. We've seen the, the Brumbies for years score truckloads of tries off it. Um, are those tactics as bad as he says that? <laughs> well, I come in here and I talk about um, you know gaining entries into the 22 and getting points. That's the goal. So you don't go into a driving mall and that's your only option. But because they're scoring tries from it, they're going to keep it in there. But they'll have other yeah. options off there. And I think in past years, you know, we've seen so many teams go to these bunter plays or trick plays off malls that it's sort of done a full circle that everyone's preparing for these trick plays and probably forgotten about yeah. um, defending a mall. Um, and you'll watch yeah. as, the, as the season goes on, teams will adjust and focus on defending the mall. That then creates opportunities to bounce out and attack that transition zone. 
So it's about manipulating and getting across the try line. So however you do it, and I think Marsh would agree even when he was back playing, you just get across the line any way you can. Mm. If they were mauling every two seconds and it would collapse and they'd get a turnover, then yeah, it's a dumb option. Yeah. But because they keep scoring five pointers, it's, it's smart to me. And I'm a forward. <laughs> and I'm a hooker. And you, and you wish you weren't retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all of these tries. 100%. <laughs> Brenna, what do you make of it? Oh, look, I think um, for the Highlanders, just to talk about the Highlanders first, you know, for now to grind out a win, um, you know, they haven't won a game this year. And so, look, if, 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 if you keep scoring tries off a line out more, you keep going there until they stop you. And so, you know, if they, if they do stop you, like, like Jip said, if they continue to do put more people in there more, then it gives you opportunities on the, on the transition or might bring them a little bit tighter. So then you can go a little bit wider, which the Hurricanes do really well um, off their attack phase shape. So, um, look, I think the frustration probably from, from Marshy was that uh, he probably knows that um, the Highlanders can can have a lot of variety and can play at, a t- at, a, at an up-speed tempo and a, and a speed that they usually do. But, look, I think for the Highlanders, um, look, they'll take it. They would have scored 10 line out more drives as long as they had a win and good to see the coaches having a having beer yeah. after the game and, 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 the, <laughs> and, the, um, and the, the later pitches of the Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, I mean, it's the last thought. Like, they're just trying to get a, a W. Mm. Um, you know, any way possible. And, I mean, it was tight there for a while until, you know, MP's discipline let them down again. Yeah, yeah. When I look at it, and I think back over history at the line-out drive, I'm not sure that a lot has necessarily changed, though, has it? There aren't really many rules that have changed to make the line-out drive more dominant. It's really just an evolution. Like, when you think about the Springboks a few years ago used to do it, then the Argentinians did it really well, and now it's sort of just evolved as part of New Zealand's game. Yeah, and, and probably an area we used to get dominated in and now an area that we can um, hold our own, if not dominate ourselves. So it's definitely a crucial part of the game. And as I say, like the defence will give you the pitches and then you just have to make the decision. If they stay out, there's no point taking it into the transition and getting smashed because I'm pretty sure that's boring as well. Mm. Yeah, because like you look at this like this one going forward for who the Highlanders are playing next, you know, like they would have seen, you know, if you're, if you're previewing them, like, well, we've got to really make sure that we do our line out more or else they're going to score tries. And so, you know, like I said before, they might tighten up your team a little bit. Then that, that brings up the transition zone that, that Jip's talking about. Or then even it brings out the fact that you can go a little bit wider because it's so mm. tight and congested in that, in that mall. So I think the biggest thing as well, you've just got to be able to adapt. And you've got to be able to have the coaching and the, as leaders as well and players, you've got to be able to try to fix it out on the, on, on the run. 
So obviously it might be a little bit hard in game. Um, you'd like to think you might have a few solutions of how you can try and fix that. But then, you know, as players, you know, it's your job then and coaches as well to have to have solutions around it and been able to rectify it because, um, you know, you have you have your preview and then you know teams are going to come in if you don't fix it, then you have those kind of comments that Marsh is going to continue to keep um keep harping on about. Mm. Well, Tony Brown, one of Marsh's old teammates, so he'll be putting on the cheese cutter pretty happy this week. Won't he? <laughs> oh, he'll be he'll definitely have a spring in his step. Um, and looking looking for back to back, I'd say. And if it's in rolling malls and he gets back to back, I think the cheese cutter will be quite happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and against the Hurricanes, is it something that you think that they will get as much success off? Um, oh, look, I thought the, the Hurricanes um, held their own uh, against a you know a strong a strong forward pack. It was definitely a tight collision. I think Jason Ryan summed it up really well at half time. He was like, "It's." She's all on in there, and there's some already some you know battered and bruised bodies at half time. So, uh, yes. and they'll be up for it, and, and and I'm sure they'll use the depth of their squad, so it won't be a, a question of fatigue. No, and um, the high will be. Um, sorry, Karen. Sorry, no, just on that chip around that game because um, for we did obviously analysis in our um, GPS numbers and that that was the highest running load, and highest contact of the year that we've had the whole year. You know, so um, you talk around opportunities, you know, players are going to get opportunities. Uh, but I guess for that, for the Hurricanes, it's been able to take the learnings of, you know, last time they played Moana, a few guys um, were able to have those opportunities. Um, but it's, you know, it's time, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for them to be able to uh, make those, not, not make that same mistake and try and rectify um, that loss they had in the year. Bryn, they're doing it without Shannon Frizzell now. Unfortunately, he's injured. He's obviously been in stellar form again this year. How big of an impact is that on the Highlanders, considering the impact he makes every week? Do they have the people to do the job that he does? Oh, look, it's huge, man. You know, look, there's probably two guys in, in there's probably two guys in the Highlanders team that you don't want to get injured. It's probably Aaron Smith and and, and Shannon Frizzell. You know, the guy has just been immense in a losing team, is in a losing team this year, and he's you know been one of the guys that you put on that. When you put on that Highlands jersey as a fan or as a people supporting him, you're like, man, he gives you everything you need every single week, and so it's going to be a massive loss, a loss, of loss for that team. Um, but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys in there that can be able to um, go into that position. Like you've got um, Gareth Evans there, who's come back into their Highlands group, who was an All Black and uh, has a lot of variety and um, flexibility in that loose ball trail. You've got McKinley too, who's playing some really good footy, and then obviously you know you've got um, who else am I missing there? And obviously Billy Harmon as well shouldn't be too far away in that loose forward trio. So it might be, you might have a couple of that loose forward trio working collectively to be able to try and get Shannon Frizzell, the, the, the person. But um, you know, I think they have a few players there that um, that can try and help to be able to um, give that impetus that um, Shannon Frizzell's done for the whole year. No Frizzell, no Akira Ioane. There's a few guys out in that sixth position at the moment. Who's the front runner right now for the sixth jersey with people like that out? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a tough one. Um, I think there's been a number of sixes put their hand up, um, but a lot of the guys that are, that are incumbents are out, you know, as, as you mentioned. So, um, you know, you'd have to say um, on form, performance and um, regular consistency of minutes, Ethan Blackett is probably, um, you know, right in the mix there. Um, you know, there's probably potentially maybe if those guys aren't back, I know Akira's not far off, um, but there might be opportunity, you know, like Tom Robinson's putting in a good shift. Um, I think Mikieli Tu'u's playing his best rugby at Super Rugby um, the last two weeks. He's really upped his um, work rate in, in those collision areas. So a couple of those guys um, are, are, are doing really well. 
um, whoever that is will join Adi Savir, who's phenomenal right now, and Sam Kane, yeah. who, despite his team losing 25-0, Bryn, was, again, an absolute ripper of a player on the weekend. He's looking great this season. Oh, he is, mate. And look, that's what you get when you get to be able to play consistent minutes. You know, let's not forget that he had a massive um, injury that he was coming back from. And, you know, he had, had the ability to be able to go on that NDA tour, um, to be able to get some meaningful minutes, to be able to, you know, um, you know, get some more game time and understanding and fit, get a more feel. And then he's had a full preseason. He's been able to come back. And, you know, there's this old Sam Cannon that we always see. It's the fact that he's been able to be a brace and, and contact the area. Look, you got Dalton Papali and him. What a it's a great contest anytime you see those two guys go up against each other because look, they're both physical players, they both mean a lot to their team. Great at the turnover and being able to influence themselves in big moments and look it's just great to see Sam Kane being able to be on the field and play consistently at a high level because look we know we know it's always been there. He's just come back from a massive injury and now we're seeing the reaps and the rewards of him being able to get that consistent minutes and being able to play at a high level um, due to that. Yeah, look, I think for both of those guys, it's their simplicity of their mindset. And by that I mean if you use Sam Kane in the aftermatch, uh, and, and when he got spoken to after the game, he just goes, we, didn't, we needed to win collisions and win races, and we didn't. Mm. And that, you can just see that he did, because, man, there was some big collisions from himself. But he seems to have done that all year. He's just won races to win that ball at the breakdown or clean rucks, and then he's, like, his defence, man... That game against you guys, it was just uh, incredible. It was the same on the weekend. And Artie's the same. It's all instincts. It's, it's literally, I just need to win this collision. I need to keep my legs going. I, I can quick tap and score this try. You know, no, no clutter, no overthinking the situation. Just pull trigger. And, and I think both of those guys are just, man, I, I, don't, I can't remember a week they haven't been in the Form 15. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, Jip. I'll tell you what as well, Jip. I thought I was really impressed with the Blues against the Chiefs. Um, was their ability to be able to flood the ruck and mm-hmm. how many turnovers have been able to slow down that ball that Sam Kane's talking about winning cleans and been able to get that lightning quick ball. I don't know if it was, it was a plan in the Blues, but I'll tell you what, it was impressive to watch the fact that if, um, you know, any time you can have zero points, um, it's great for your defence coach, but look, I thought their breakdown work, man, especially first, second phase, we even on the edge, guys coming through the middle, putting a lot of pressure on Brad Weber and Cortez and Artema due to that. Um, it was really impressive. I don't know if you saw that, I didn't know if you yeah. saw that was a plan. Especially, uh, especially in that really first, to watch. that first 30 minutes, man. That was that was into it, and then obviously the yellow card slowed things down. But you've got to credit like um, their ability to keep them to zero. Three yellow cards, um, you know, they probably maybe attacked the rucks a little too much in the second half when they were on warnings and stuff. You know, they probably didn't get that balance right, and they may look at that as just going to zero rucks and keeping their defensive line solid. Um, but you know, you just got to look at Offa Tongafasi's head to see the warfare that was out there, and he came off the bench because Marcel Renata went off, and man, I don't know if you've seen on Instagram, there's about yeah. 20 stitches. It's, yeah. it's brutal, man. Um, yeah, because I think yeah, because I think also as well, Jeff, if you look at the Chiefs, you know, people probably looking at that score 25-0 that the Blues really dominated. But look, I think the Chiefs, but they just missed opportunities. They had a lot of opportunities, especially in the back end of that first half. Um, you know, Sam Nock and who else was Simba in that job? Oh, uh, Luke Marlon. Marlon. Yeah, Luke Romano were, were back-to-back. And the fact that, um, you know, Offa um, you know, gets that, saves that try on the 40th minute, I thought that was a huge moment in the game. because It's, like, a, it's, a, it's a huge collision but, too. Oh, massive collision. Um, you know, probably actually some people might think that possibly could have been a yellow card, but um, it didn't get called for whatever reason. But um, I thought that was a big moment, and it just kind of shows where the Blues are at the moment, Jip. Their desperation and their scramble 
and big moments like that. You know, you talk around just before half time and just after half time. Those are probably big moments in games that you need to win. And look, I think they did that really, really well um, for the fact that they stopped that that try. Um, Satoru obviously had a couple of disallowed tries, um, especially in the 45th minute. But then that Robertson try, I thought, was the probably the nail in the coffin in that game. Um, you know, look, the the ability that that Mark Talia is playing at the moment. Look, he was in my he was in my form 15 team this week. He's been in electric form. Rico's ability to be able to show show a bit of gas and offload, and then Bowden Barrett seeing that crossfield um, crossfield kick from Tom Robinson on the corner, probably calling with the big red getting his hand out saying, "Give me the ball, kick me the ball." Um, but look, I thought that was a um, a great work for the Blues, but I think the, the, the Chiefs had the opportunities and probably just didn't pull trigger and been able to execute um, in that game. You know what I love most about that try for Tom Robinson is it's a you know great offload, awesome by Mark, awesome by Reeks, awesome by Bodie, <clears throat> but it's everyone's urgency to get into position. All the other guys that clean the rucks, all the other guys that set up an, an actual running line position that commit defenders so that they were short for the crossfield kick. You know, that, that mm. was, they just injected life. You watch, as soon as Mark goes, every Blues jersey's just like, whoom. Mm. And it's late in the game, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's a critical, uh, well, not late in the game, but, you know, early in the second half, you know, easy to just think, oh, Mark's going to do his thing. Easy to think Reeks w- wins that race. Very easy. Mm. And he doesn't. They yeah. clean that ruck, quick ball, bang, try. That's what I liked about it the yeah. most, is that work off the ball by the other players that aren't mentioned. Yeah. I'm just going to jump on the back of that, and it was evident in their last try jump. You look at Stephen Perifetta's line and the ability that he, how he holds Jonah Lowe for that last try for then um, Bowden Barrett gives that bridge pass, and AJ Lamb does a really good finish. But you look at Stephen Perifetta's line and who he holds to then give the ability when AJ Lamb then gets a one-on-one instead of being able to have two or three tackles, and it probably doesn't score in a try. So, yeah, I think you're right. They're doing those 1% of things really, really well that you probably don't see on TV and probably people see love seeing the tries and the offloads and all that. But, look, they're just doing their job and they're nailing their role consistently and they're doing it over and over and over again. So, and look, they're impressive to watch and um, it's just kind of adding fire to what's going to be a, a hell of a game come Friday evening in Christchurch. Yeah, and I probably need to keep my powder dry, but I'm going to say it anyway. Let's not forget the Chiefs were the sort of leading attacking side statistically with offloads, metres run, um, you know, they're first or second and all those and to keep them to zero and they had their opportunities in the 22 I think what, how many entries they had eight entries into the 22 and a couple of dis- three disallowed tries or two disallowed tries um, but you know nonetheless there was still zero points so it was a hell of an effort um, and, and let's like Hamilton's not easy than that Blues Chiefs battle to go down there and get a result oh, like yeah. that and you can see the frustration on Sam Kane's face after the game so they'll definitely take a lot of confidence from it but there's another place we haven't you know, won for a long time and, and it's, it's on the road and that's this Friday. So it sets it up. Oh man, I'm excited. 2004. Good, good Friday. 2004. Make it a great Friday. The famous try. The Carlos <laughs> the Spencer Carlos try. The Carlos Spencer, yeah. Wow, yeah, that's a long time. You look at the work rate of Justin Collins in that try. <laughs> Gets up there, supports. <laughs> yeah. doesn't, happen out, it doesn't happen without Justin Collins. Throws the perfect ball inside, <laughs> off he goes, yeah. Um, just touching on the Blues' discipline, I suppose there's two ways to look at this. There's, there's the, hey, you don't really want to cop three yellow cards, and let's face it, offers shoulder charge in the corner on Samasoni Tokiaho just before half-time could have been both a penalty try and a yellow card, because it would have been, if it had been called, it would have had to be both. Um, it kind of shows, in a more positive aspect, a quite ruthless approach from the team. You know, you, you don't want it, but... 
if that's what it takes to be ruthless enough to win rugby games, then maybe that's just a fair enough kind of byproduct. Yeah, it is, but you, you have to adjust to the referee. I think the best teams in the world, you know, I always say it on here, as long as the rules are consistent in that 80 minutes, it doesn't have to be week to week, but within that 80 minutes, because the teams that adjust the, you know, the quickest to referees normally will go on and win. But they clearly wanted to attack that breakdown. Uh, it, was, it was clearly a tactic, and yeah. um, sometimes in that fierce heat of the battle, and all you know is the game plan, you, you're just like, oh, I just need to get in there and rip in. Um, I just think in the second half it would have potentially been better if they'd just you know, maybe um, let a few zero rucks. Um, and by zero rucks I just mean you know, just have the tackler in there and everyone else can just be on their feet because the ref was just watching them. Mm. Yeah. So it's that balance of you know, winning collisions and, and you know, taking it two sides and you know, mm. making sure that you don't end up with too many. Because I know Leon won't yeah. be wanting you know, three people in... <laughs> I suppose he'd probably, he'd probably take three yellow cards and a win every week, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and no bonus point to the opposition. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, though. So, like, yeah, obviously, you know, they'll take the learnings and they'll be thinking, like, look, we can't give away, you know, have three yellow cards in any game, let alone, you know, in a Super Rugby, you know, in a tight tussle. Um, but, like, what it can do, um, it can galvanise a group with being able to do that, and especially in moments like that. Look, don't get it wrong, honestly, it's a tough place to win in Hamilton. Look, we've had our problems in, in, in Hamilton being able to win there with their crowd and how they play there. But look, um, they'll take the learnings and want it to be able to not make sure that it doesn't happen and being able to have solutions for that. But look, any time you can win like that with three yellow cards, not score any points against them, um, you can turn that into a positive as well. So no doubt they'll be talking around they can't do that again. But look, man, it's, um, it's a great way to be able to build culture and being able to show, like, look, we can play with 30 men, we can go with 12 men, we can go deep. Sam, um, not broken hand, like. 65 minutes. Oh, and that, mate, and that's why he's in my that's why he's in my front fifteen, mate. Likewise, mate. Yeah, I don't know how if he had a broken hand, I do not know how he was able to pass um, for sixty five minutes. He's from the mighty yeah. Tunny Far, mate. Yeah, they must have a good thought, mate. They've been able to give a bit of, bit of an injection into his hand because uh, <laughs> that's a hell of a feat to be able to do that. Well, I think because fin Finlay Christie went down, you know, he just had to grit his teeth. Uh, yeah, and and he did. Yeah. yeah, like you wouldn't have known until after the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Bowden, uh, not Bowden Barrett, sorry, Anton Leonard Brown, um, another guy who's gone down injured in that game. <sighs> He's just one of the most consistent players in the country, and a team that's kind of wanting to be consistent, that's a hell of a blow. Yeah, he, he's, he's definitely a um, big part of their success, uh, and you know, not having him out there in key moments, you know, was probably um, you know noticeable. Um, but they have shown. They know how to plug holes, this Chiefs squad, and they do have depth. And I, I know I've personally, and we've harped on about that, is that depth of squad. And um, they'll make sure that the, the preparation's sharp so that the person who fits the bill, and I think there'll be none other than Alex Nankerville. Like he's filled every other spot, and, and I think it gives yeah. him a really good opportunity just to <coughs> solidify himself in one position and, and be able to take the form he's had in every position. Mm and focus on that so it is a big loss in terms of his leadership and his experience and his communication for you know Joshuani and Bryn Gatlin um, but I think in a guy with Nankerville um, you know they're probably in safe hands. Yeah I'm, I'm glad you actually said that Jim because you know we've been big advocates for for um, Nankerville and for the fact that don't know how long Anton's out let's say worst case scenario didn't look at that flash on the weekend he's out for the rest of the year we talk around the midfield combos and at all black level Look, if him and Quinta Pye can, can be able to form a really good partnership, then who's to say that he won't be in that all-black environment if he plays consistently well? 
because he's been doing it for a very long time. And I guess the thing for Alex with the fact that Quinn and um, ALB's been there, the consistency of him being able to play every single week at this level probably hasn't happened a lot. It's happened a lot at Tasman, and we've seen with a lot of with a lot of time and being able to play a lot, you get great performances out of him. So um, for Nank, I think it's an awesome opportunity for him if he wants to stake his chance for a higher higher honours. Um, it's going to be a great block if Anton Lena Brown's injured um, for a long period of time. Huge competition in the midfield. No shortage of talent there at all. Um, I mean, we've just added Geordie into the mix. Yeah, we added Geordie <laughs> into the mix. You know, um, down there, you guys have got about 12 all-black midfielders just yeah. in one squad. You know, we just... It's incredible. Um, let's look over the Tassie. Uh, Brumbies and Rebels. Uh, both picked up wins. You expecting those results? I didn't pick the Rebels, I'll be honest, especially over in, in Perth. I think Bryn did, not too <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> but but it just shows, we said a couple of weeks ago, they're the team that's improving um, week to week the mm. most. And um, for them to get a result, um, you know, it would be really good for their confidence in their group. Um, I think the force will be pretty disappointed with the way they've gone. Yeah. They really started with a hiss and a roar. And, you know, I certainly started thinking that they're going to tip up a few sides and make... Um, a push for the finals. I'm not saying it's over, but they do need to turn this this um, decline around. Uh, maybe it's around injuries mm. and depth of squad. I'm not too sure, but um, it certainly wasn't the force that we yeah. saw in the first few rounds. Yeah, I think what I was impressed with with the Rebels um, is obviously a big advocate, um, obviously. <laughs> um, but no, look, I think what I really enjoyed about them was the fact that they had that red card. You know, Nuru gets sent off in the 51st minute, and you know the game was in the balance, and then. Been able to, I thought just they, they just grinded it out. Yeah. They really grinded out a, a tough victory and been able to close out their game at the back end of the game. There's a bit of rain changing there and they adapted really well. But look, I think uh, for the fact that you know, we probably questioned a little bit around earlier there around their ability to stay in games and being able to put in consistent performances at a, at a high level for a high amount of time, um, they've been the most improved team and been able to grind out a win like that after having a red card and a, and a, and a big moment in the game. Um, it's been massive for their um, for their movement and go, going forward. and um, us New Zealand team's coming over with a bit of confidence very soon. So that membership is going to be in the mail soon, yeah. Bryn. Oh. Converted Rebels fan. Well, well the Reb- we do play the Rebels in um, in Melbourne, so um, I might just always miss that week. Might miss that week and coach from afar. <laughs> 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 Let's move on to our dream team. If you haven't been in it, uh, Rugby Pass are doing a dream team competition for Super Rugby. You go online. You have a look at the players who will form that week. You choose your people. And if your people align with the majority, you have the ability to win prizes at Rugby Pass. This week, it's Terry Saunders who has won that prize. Congratulations, Terry. At the end of the season, if you're the most consistently aligned with what everyone thinks a form team is, then you'll get a shot at coming on here. Good luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got to start selling that better, mate. Um, so for you guys, any big changes, Chipper, in your dream team? Quite a few. Um, I've gone with the two Blues big boys in one and three. I thought the scrum was um, you know, key to their success, especially early. So Hodgman and Tonga Fussy. The hookers I struggled with a little bit because I thought Makaleo and Marshall were great. But I think James O'Reilly takes a cake. Really happy for him. You know, He's been plugging away for a number of years and he gets that opportunity and man did he take it he, he looked exceptional and you know not just in the open ball play and you know around the field but his darts and his scrums were were really sharp um, went for the two uh, big fellas from the Crusaders and I, I hope Quinton Strain's not too bad was that cramp Bryn? Um, was that Achilles? Uh, oh, I'm not too sure there hasn't been any um, stuff around it but um, man, uh, he... I don't, I'm not too sure he was, not too bad. Yeah, he was going so well and he's just had so such a bad run with injuries, so I hope he's alright. So I've gone with Strange and 
you know, you can't go past Scott Barrett um, putting it all on the line at the end there and a big skipper's knock. Tom Robinson obviously at six, Sam Kane, Adi Savia, uh, don't really need to go into that. Sam Knock, broken hand and uh, great performance. Bodie Barrett, 10. Already said Havili Barrett, uh, Geordie Barrett at, at 12. I couldn't, couldn't split them. Reeks at 13. Julian Savia, Mark Delaire and Will Jordan. Solid. The Shrine to the Barretts continues on the show today. Uh, oh, yeah, three. <laughs> I'm presuming three. that all three Barretts are in your team as well. Um, what did I actually go with? I think I... No, I didn't actually. I think I've gone pretty similar to Jip, actually. I went for um, Offer. You know, he was he was immense in that game. Been able to have two, um, two big um, tackles to be able to stop tries. And then I've gone Alex Hodgman. I actually went... I know to mention to James O'Reilly, but I've actually gone the Highlanders squared, the two hookers. Yeah. I've gone both of them. So the Highlanders squared. Have actually um, have actually gone into my to my form fifteen. Um, I've actually gone Lord. I was pretty impressed with how he went on the weekend. Um, I did want to go Quinton, but um, just the fact that he left a little bit earlier, I thought Josh Lord and his ability to be able to have turnovers was actually pretty good in that um, in that Blues game. I've got Scott Barrett for what we've talked about. I went Ethan Blackadder again. Uh, look, he's um, he's just been in some a rich run of form. Look, um, his ability to be able to score tries, but they've been able to. Um, when contacts in the advantage line, um, he doesn't stop working um, defensively. He had a big day with, with you know, with the with twenty odd tackles, so um, he was great for us. I've gone Sam Kane again at seven. Um, I went actually, I did, I did go Adi Severe, but two honourable mentions. I thought Hoskins had one of his better games of the year, and I actually had Cullen Grace, who's actually been playing some really consistent football for us, and um, he's probably due actually to be number eight out my team pretty soon. Uh, I've got Sam Rock for his ability to be able to play with a broken hand, but not just the fact with that. Uh, look, I think his defensive scramble was great, even though he did get uh, yellow-carded. His ability to be able to scramble in, in big moments in that game was big. I thought a notable mention for Jam- Jamie Booth as well. Um, his impact, especially coming late in the piece with TJ Perinar being ruled out on game day in the warm-up, I thought he was great. I've got Bodie at 10. Um, I went to total. And I went to total. As a notable mention, I thought the fact that he got two tries disallowed, his running meters defending beat, uh, defenders beat him consistently. He continues to keep doing that, which is a real trademark of his. But you know, the bus was immense, both with ball in hand and this 50-22 was, was big in, in that game. Um, I've gone Davey Harvilli at 12. Again, I went, you could have gone him or Geordie, but I think the fact that Davey was there last week and his consistency is warranted that um, 12. I've got Rico at 13. I've got Mark Talia on the, on the right the right side. And then I had Will Jordan at fullback, and a notable mention to Morby, who I thought was good for the, uh, the Hurricanes on the weekend as well. I, I like that you mentioned Hoss because I, I feel like he really targeted that game. A lot of talk about Peter Gus Soakula, and, and it was like mm-hmm. he really wanted to make a statement, as did the other, the other members of the pack. They really tried to slow down um, his time and space, um, and, and it just is a credit to how well um, Peter Gus has been playing. But... That's how it felt when I was watching. I was like, man, Hoss is, is really trying to make a statement here, which was, which is great to see. You know, that competition brings out that competitive edge, um, mm-hmm. and, and it sets him up well for, you know, the guy that um, Bryn mentioned as well. You know, um, Hoskins and, and Cullen Grace this this Friday. Mm, and when the Blues are playing that fast, oh. you just know that Hoskins the Tutu is going to get some chances. A hundred percent. And and any time the scrum's that dominant, uh, you know that it, it does create the ability for him to pop off the back and, and explode and make twenty or thirty pretty quickly. Hey, well, let's have a look at the week ahead then. We've got the Hurricanes Moana Pacifica, of course. Um, where do you guys feel that was going? It's actually canes. kind of, it's, it's happened, so. Yeah, it'll be the Canes. <laughs> the Canes? Yeah, I'll, I'll go Canes, yeah. Okay, uh, Crusaders versus the Blues. Blues. 
uh, Crusaders. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Rebels and the Reds is the next one, Brent. I'll go with the Reds, but I think it'll be a tight tussle just with the fact that the Rebels and the improvement that they've had. Um, I think it'll be a tight game, but I think the Reds will get up in the end. Reds. We've come a long way, haven't we? I know he has. Come along. He laughed at them three weeks ago. <laughs> now, now he's talking them up. <laughs> the Chiefs versus Moana Pacifica. Uh, Chiefs. Chiefs. Highlanders, Hurricanes, Bryn? Where's that being played? Dunedin. Dunedin. Oh, yeah, it's tough. I've got Canes. Hurricanes. And the Force versus the Waratahs to close it out. Waratahs. I'm going to go Force because I've backed them the whole year. Yeah. So keep going, the Force. Keep going, keep the going. Force. They're at home as well. So Tars coming off a bye. Yeah. Early arrival into Perth. Set it up. Yeah. Tars. <laughs> okay, there we go. Well, you've heard it here first, but really there's only one game this weekend that's oh. super-duper important, and that is the Crusaders of Bryn Hall versus the Blues of James Parsons. Thank you very much, guys. What's on the line this weekend between you two? Is there anything... Uh, there hasn't been a wager of, of such. Oh, yeah. We could... Um... Let's do it. So if I lose... Well, if I lose, you, you spend a lot of time in too. Queenstown, so you just pick a vineyard that you hang out at and we, we maybe just uh, get a nice little bottle of red or something. You didn't want to put a jersey on. You didn't want to put a jersey on. You got to wear a, a Crusaders jersey. Oh, look, I think it's disrespectful to you know your strong heritage down there in the Crusaders for someone <laughs> um, that's played so much in a Blues jersey. Um, I just know there'd be a lot of men out there that would uh, be sick to yeah. see me in it. <laughs> that's what makes it even better mate. including including myself <laughs> well, look at might not be so sick but everybody else will be oh, I mean it's easy for him he played 40 odd games to the Blues so he's worn both of them already <laughs> <laughs> that's true probably got a selection to choose from at home which he one probably does best? which one brings out does. his eyes the most who knows and where Dan Carter he's got a couple <laughs> yeah true we'll, um, we'll go bottle red a nice bottle yeah, red yeah yeah nice okay nice. excellent I look forward to seeing that next week Okay, guys. Well, thank you very much. Down in Christchurch, good luck. Crusaders versus Blues. Thank you again, James Parsons. And we'll see you all again next week here on the Aotearoa Rugby Pod to catch all of the action on Sky Sport and all of the analysis on rugbypass.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.